Hi, I'm Harry. Hello, I'm Rory, and you're listening to Games on Film. is us we're back we are rocking around the christmas tree with Dwayne the rock johnson for another delightful entry in the jumanji saga or am i giving that too much importance there (laughs) yes this is jumanji the next level another rock movie yep (laughs) rocking out with our Anyway, yes, Jack Black said that this is the fourth Jumanji movie. He counts Zathura. So we've got Jumanji from 95. We've got Zathura from... 2004, maybe? A long time ago in the galaxy far, far away. And when we had Jumanji, Welcome to the Jungle, which was the um, surprise hit of... 2017. Yes, I'm getting my dates all over the place. Yes, and this is now, according to my notes, like maybe the third or fourth cinematic event of the year. (laughs) (laughs) Because we had, I think, Avengers Endgame, and then I saw a poster for Downton Abbey, which its tagline was uh, the cinematic event of the year, and then we've got Star Wars. But um, I think think the true movie event of the year, the cinematic event, was when I went to see Jumanji The Next Level, and I got a large nachos with three dips. Wow. Three! Well, my cinematic experience of Jumanji was slightly coloured by the fact that the screen I was seeing it in, uh, the heating was off on a very chilly night. I think right. it might have even snowed and rained Are outside. you sure you weren't watching a 4DX experience? You, you didn't go out and say, there's was smoke! There was rain in my face. If it was 4DS, I would have demanded a refund because that was inhumane. The, mm. the temperature levels that we were in experiencing uh, Jumanji the Nets level. But you say with Jumanji the Nets level being, you know, a cinematic event, the success of Jumanji Welcome to the Jungle was quite a surprise. Mm. And we did say that in the last episode that it reached almost a um, billion dollars at the box office worldwide. And... We're recording this episode just after the first weekend proper of its international release. Mm. And it's not frozen to off the top spot in the UK and US. Really? It's taken at the US box office around $60 million, which is almost twice as much as the first film. That really surprises me. <laughs> when I say first film, I mean Welcome to the Jungle, yes. the previous film. Oh, it's weird, isn't it? Because, yes, I keep talking in my notes about this being the second one. Uh, it seems like it had a budget of around $125 million and it's already made $212 million at time of recording worldwide. So... Clearly, the Jumanji <laughs> stands are here to stay. Oh, God. I mean, we as we record this, um, Rise of Skywalker has not yet come out. And can you imagine if it got number two at the box office because <laughs> Jumanji was there? That'd oh, be amazing. Those uh, anti-Last Jedi mm, boycotters, they clearly spoke with their money and decided not to go. Yeah, I mean, it was, I think, a perfect example of counter-programming because when The Last Jedi came out, um, everything was Star Wars. You couldn't walk down the street without bumping into a stormtrooper. That's bollocks. That never <laughs> happened. <laughs> but um, Johnson's Britain. I know. 
God, let's not go down that route. Um, yeah, it was. I think sometimes counter programming definitely doesn't work, and films die without a trace. But sometimes people just want something entertaining, which isn't Star Wars. I'm sorry, Disney. Well, the big debate is Rise of Skywalker versus Cats. So we'll oh. see. We'll see whether Jumanji have what that plays into it, and whether Jumanji takes a big bite out of both. Somebody out there, please make a Cats video game so we can cover it on the podcast. I have <laughs> lots to say about Cats. There's scope for Cats. At least Cats VR experience, I think, is <sighs> something which... Um... As, as the internet has shown, there's a fetish for everyone. <laughs> um... Um, I'm surprised. I mean, I hadn't been concentrating at all on the box office of Jumanji 2. I am genuinely surprised because my, I did come to the second film with a certain prejudice because um, I read how it was the fastest turnaround for a sequel. I think it was f- the last shots, the, the the production, what do you call it, principal photography, that finished earlier this year. And mm. usually it's a full year before the film even comes out but no it was ready to go in cinemas this year and i saw a tweet today which really resonated me which was like deadlines are the enemy of all art now that's a rather black and white view (laughs) because you can make some tremendous art to a deadline but at the same time i really felt that we said everything we needed to say with welcome to the jungle and you know they pretty conclusively destroyed the game (laughs) at the end of uh, Welcome to the Jungle. The way Welcome to the Jungle ended, though, there was a lingering wish to stay in Jumanji from one of the main characters, Mm. Spencer. So that was always, whether it was intentional or not, but it was planting a seed, and I think it added a nice sort of slight melancholic touch Mm. to the end of that movie, which this film, I think, quite nicely picks up. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day... Good writers can pick on things, just hinted at, and run with them. It happens in TV all the time, and can happen in unplanned sequels, which are then automatically greenlit due to a weekend's box office taking. Yeah, I mean, again, slightly spoiling my feelings about the ending of the film. There's, um, there's, there's a much bigger hint of where future films might go at the end of this film, which got me very excited. Yes, just listening back to our previous episode covering Jumanji Welcome to the Jungle, which we did around about July 2019 this year, we did sort of wonder whether it was video gamey enough. So there was maybe a slight hesitation about doing this again as well, doing this sequel. Mm. But the fact that the trailers then revealed over going back into the video game, etc., we thought, okay, fair enough. But we'll discuss the ending in a little bit, but... I wonder whether the next film would be perhaps Games on Film eligible. Oh, gosh, let us know. <laughs> <laughs> That's a discussion for later. Mm. But what you were saying about the, the turnaround on this film, we had as our guest on the previous Jumanji episode, uh, Lisa Teresa Downey-Dent, who's in the visual effects industry and also my fiance. And if you do see Star Wars Rise of Skywalker, make sure you stay in the credits to see her name. Ooh, you can say that now. Yes, the film's already out, so I'm just going to say it. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, we were talking a lot about visual effects and how Jumanji, the first original film, was groundbreaking at the time. And so for this film to have such a turnaround and have, you know, big visual effects sequences... Mm -hmm. One might say maybe there was perhaps less attention paid to them in this movie. They could have being... just thrown 
Jack Black into the gorilla enclosure <laughs> over the zoo. That would have been his special effects. Yeah, yeah uh, for a big effects blockbuster extravaganza style movie, it's quite impressive that this got released mm. in time. But since the previous movie, there have been, we talk about games based on films sometimes, like we did with Star Wars in our last episode. But we've had since Jumanji the video game, mm-hmm. which uh, was released, what, maybe a month or two ago? Yeah, yeah, November. And uh, it was quite hard to find any reviews at all. And Probably because it was quite expensive and didn't look particularly interesting. Um, according to Metacritic, it's got... 0.9 stars <laughs> out of uh, I think five um, but I only could find one proper review and it was I think for screen rant and uh, it got a one star which was sad it, it, but weirdly the review was just saying oh another video game tie-in and it's bad and I was like well there's not been that many video game tie-ins I think lately they've all been I think I said before paid to win type games not like for James Bond video game which came out around about time Spectre was like just like a trading card sort of style <laughs> video game where you had to build a, a like a team of agents which James Bond never does <laughs> yeah at least this game was attempting like a 3D action mm. multiplayer title mm-hmm. uh, I watched a bit of gameplay of the opening stages and doesn't look particularly interesting it's sort of just like waves of enemies in a map and you just have to collect items and jewels and unlock the next stage with a bit of um jumanji kind of makeup slapped on yeah i mean at the end of the day i I think it's very hard to get a turnaround on a video game in the same speed that a film can be done Uh, i know that different fish but hey that's why we're here it will shift some units because the name so it was a bit of a cash but maybe it got bad reviews because it sucked the person into the actual game and they almost <laughs> they barely escaped their lives so yeah three of my friends died playing this game yeah. one star i mean it's, it's slightly um, have we yet seen in either of these films what happens when you lose all your lives I think not slightly spoilers. No. I mean, spoilers for Jumanji of the next level. Nobody dies in the game. <laughs> Someone um, turns into a horse, <laughs> but nobody dies in the game. The other, I suppose, video game-esque ripple that Jumanji has had has been a Jumanji immersive VR experience. Right. Uh, which was a sort of tie-in with The Void. I think they're the same people who did the Star Wars full immersive experience that Stephen Trumbull, I guess, on the last episode was talking about. Mm. Um, but they... they just look at what's big in cinemas around Christmas time. <laughs> yeah. Star Wars, Jumanji, Last Christmas is coming out next year where you get to play, what's her name? Amelia Clark. Amelia Clark riding a bike and falling off it and going, ha ha ha, rom-com. Okay. I haven't seen it. So Neither I, have I. I'm I assuming do. that's what happens. <laughs> But it was called Jumanji Reverse the Curse. And that really chilled me. I know. And it features in-game, at least based on the trailer, I assume. I haven't obviously played it, but uh, Reese Darby reprising his role mm-hmm. as Nigel Billingsley. Nice. And um, it also reminded me of recently there has been the reveal of a long-awaited follow-up to Half-Life. Half-Life Elites, which is a VR-only mm-hmm. installment. I'm and sure that- everyone that's the game everyone wanted to play. Of course, just yeah. like, um, what was it, Diablo Mobile or something like that mm-hmm. that everyone got 
And Everyone was united in their excitement. Finally, you can wield a, f- a crowbar in 3D, just like in real life. Wow. But that also featured Reese Darby as well in a voice acting oh, role. Okay. I mean, one thing it won't feature is Robin Williams because he was um, forward thinking enough to say that after his death, he couldn't be digitally recreated in any of those sort of. If you seen those galaxy adverts where Audrey Hepburn is driving around stuffing her face with chocolate. <laughs> I'm like, oh, God. Maybe he just saw that they were doing a Aladdin live-action remake mm. and just thought that they might stick his face in the genie's body, kind of like the absorber <laughs> loft in Doctor Who and Will Smith pulls up his shirt and he's got Robin Williams' screaming face in his belly. <laughs> I just thought you were suggesting that Robin Williams' face would be transplanted onto Will Smith's body, onto his like actual head, and so you'd have Will Smith's body and Robin Williams' <laughs> face. And that's, that's kind of wrong. <laughs> Um, it didn't happen. So, um, <laughs> so Jumanji. So Jumanji, the the next level. Um, do we have any sort of plot synopsis for that? Uh, we do have a short something from the Sony Pictures official website. By the way, this is a Sony movie. I hope you, I hope you realise that this is a Sony movie because it has Sony at the start of the sort of studio logo. Uh-huh. At one point, someone pulls out a boombox with Sony oh, emblazoned upon it. Within the game? Within the game. Okay, yes. Uh, I was just about to say, I don't remember any product placement, and then it's just become so omnipresent, I've not noticed. There's quite a lot of promotional stuff happening with regards to it. So there was a short uh, YouTube video I saw where the director, Jake Kasdan, was singing the benefits of Bravia TVs. There's a video of the cast all gathered round while people play the new game Dreams on Sony PlayStation and they've made a Jumanji-style video game with the characters from the movie in Dreams. So conspicuously, they're not playing the Jumanji video game. That's what I thought. (laughs) Actually, this looked more fun than the actual Jumanji video game. And one thing which jumped out to me in this movie was at one point... The character Spencer, played by Alex Wolf, he says when he's playing his PlayStation controller, press O. Mm-hmm. Now, according to the official Twitter feed of PlayStation UK, there was quite a bit of a controversy back in September. Oh, man. Because there was a debate as to what the buttons on a PlayStation controller actually That's true. People say circle. Of. So they said triangle, circle, square... But the big problem was ETS, because people kept on calling it ETS, but the official PlayStation UK account said cross. Mm. And everyone was like, no, that's cross is like... A plus sign. Uh, you know, is a plus sign, or uh, according to official PlayStation UK Twitter, they also said triangle, circle, cross, square. If cross is called ETS, in brackets, it's not, then what are you calling circle? Quint inquisitive emoji, but I would say the character in a Sony branded movie playing PlayStation, he said, "Oh, so mm. now I'm confused again." I mean, maybe it's because I'm a, like a Nintendo fanboy as a kid, but I've never really liked the whole cross and square and circle th- things. I because it just never seemed instinctive to me. So I've always been more of a fan of the A, B, Y, and X from Nintendo. But then, and used by Xbox, used by Dreamcast. Well, you say that, but the I think the B and the A on an Xbox is flipped. It's, it's not the same place as a as on a Nintendo. Oh, well. So, like, why? 
we was was Microsoft so like um we're not going to copy Nintendo we'll move the letters ever so slightly so it means I'm constantly well best, best I just can't play Worms basically on the older video game consoles because yeah. I'm forever blowing myself up. Yeah. Uh, so official plot synopsis for Jumanji: The Next Level from the Sony Pictures website. In Jumanji: The Next Level, the gang is back, but the game has changed. As they return to Jumanji to rescue one of their own, they discover that nothing is as they expect. The players will have to brave parts unknown and unexplored, from the arid deserts to the snowy mountains, in order to escape the world's most dangerous game. That's it, is it? Yeah. I thought the most dangerous game was the one where people hunt you and kill you. Yeah, <laughs> I guess that kind of happens in this. That kind of happens. Jumanji 1 was more like the dangerous game with the uh, Van Pelt the hunter. Welcome to Jumanji! Where's the jungle? I don't have the foggiest clue what's going on here. When the game is broken... Jumanji's been altered. We're in the wrong bodies! I think my eyes are a different color. All of you is a different color. There's only one question. How do we beat the game if the game has gone haywire? There has to be a way to win. You've got to have eyes in the back of your head! Shut the front door. Who's giving such a good speech? Jumanji The Next Level. Well, here's the thing. Slightly spoiling my, my my feelings about this film. I left this film and I thought it was fine. I thought um, it was a bit of a retread, um, but it was just as good as the first one. I thought that, you know, my, I told this to a friend and they said, oh, that sounds like you don't like it. So I said, no, no, I do like it, actually. But it's just the same as the original, as in Welcome to the Jungle. But the more I listened to our previous review, we were picking out all these cute little details which connected the film to the book, to the 95 film, and to the wider world of sort of video games. Van Pelt being one. The great hunter in the 95 film was Van Pelt, as was the villain in this one. I feel this film, I still like it, but I feel it plays a lot of the hits from the previous film and is less interested in the little cute details. And I think that's... That's typical of a film which has been rushed into production like this. I, th- I think there was like the script had to be done by this time because the film had to be delivered on this time. So there are certainly connections. There was actually a big one I was not even aware of until I did some research on this film. But just little things I felt was were missing. Like a, a sort of subliminal one was how in this film the Jumanji board game... I always got the sense that in, in the first two films, the Jumanji board game had a had a will of its own and it wanted to be played. It reminded me of the One Ring from Lord of the Rings. But here, it is a broken game which gets fixed and it's kind of just use. And, you know, there's a section where they don't get to select their own characters. And it seems more that the game is sort of broken rather than there's some sort of higher power making the choices for them. So I found this an entertaining couple of hours, but I felt I got a little less this time around. I think what happened was they had, they came up with a good idea as an entry point into how the sequel would be based on how the previous film ended. As I said, one of the characters feeling like they wanted to be their character in the game all over again. And when they came up with the concept, oh, how about we have the same people go back in, but they've switched which characters they're playing in the game. Mm-hmm. and thought that's a hook and then also adding the layer of having 
two of the characters being, you know, not the young kids who've done this rodeo before, but are just two old geezers who don't know anything about video games. Mm. And that's a great jumping in point. And, but, um... but yeah, it's a, it's a good jumping in point. But the problem is, is that I think they came up with these ideas and then just relied on those concepts to... See it through. Yeah, to sort of like the jokes come from just the setup mm. rather than actually any gags. Yeah, the There's, character moments yeah. didn't really land. I mean, two elderly people in this film are, are sort of two new characters. we got Danny DeVito playing Grandpa Eddie, who's the grandpa of uh, Spencer from the first film. And we've got Danny Glover, who's uh, made a career for, him, for himself being too old for this shit. <laughs> um, he's been he's too been old too, yeah. for, well, since the 80s. Yeah, since like 1989 or something. Uh, he's a uh, an old friend of uh, Daniel DeVito's character, but we've had a bit of a falling out. They have some shit to deal with, and they deal with it in the game, but it seem, seems really compartmentalised. So here's the scene where they have a fight and fall out, and it just didn't really connect with me. And, mm. you know... The good thing the first film did, I mean the first new film, <laughs> Welcome to the Jungle, is that I, I, the kid characters before the end of the game, I really liked, but they weren't really names. You don't really care that you don't um, see the kids sort their shit out in the real world. And that's also um, you know, The Rock and Jack Black and, and Kevin Hart. It's a lot of fun seeing them act as these younger characters, I think we highlighted in the last episode how it's a real sort of acting, I don't want to say masterclass, but, <laughs> you know, it's its something that actors rarely get to do, you know, especially like The Rock rarely gets to play anyone but The Rock and, you know, Jack Platt doesn't get to play a teenage girl. But in this film, when you cast Danny Glover and you cast Danny DeVito, two Dannys, I've just realised, <laughs> I wanted to see them sort out that shit in real life. I wanted them... Because they, they fell out over, I believe, the ownership of a restaurant. And I just wanted to see that. I, it's just a little bit weird. I mean, it's obviously a very unique problem to have the same characters, quote-unquote, played by different people in this second video game film. But it's just, uh, I don't know, it just didn't really work. Almost, but not quite. Yeah, I, I think those scenes that they had were in the real world, as it were... You did want to see more of them do that, but I did feel like those scenes were also a little bit slow-paced. I think the film takes a while to get going, and while I liked some of the initial stuff, I just felt like too many scenes in the movie, both in the game and in the real world, just lacked good comic editing, good timing. There's a lot of jokes and dialogue which just like are left hanging in the air, in some ways waiting for the laughter from the audience to die down before it moves on. And it just meant that scenes sort of dragged on and things fell flat. And it just seems that sort of running gags just got a little bit tired. Because it's a long movie. It's over two hours and it should really be mm. a bit brisker, I think. I wish I could remember the joke. I mean, unfortunately, when, you, when you're writing notes in the cinema, you can't catch everything. But there was definitely one joke, like you mentioned, where I think Kevin Hart said something... And the audience just did not respond. It was meant to be a joke. And it was a button to a scene. 
and there was definite a bit of screen time there for the audience laughter, which in my yeah. screening at least did not just, come. Just dead air. Mm. But I think also it relies gags wise too much on callbacks to the previous film, but in a way that suggests a real fondness for the previous film, which I'm not sure. Clearly people have enough to go see this new one. Mm. I think sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. I think, for instance, Mouse Finbar, Kevin Hart's character, his reaction to Kate being presented to him yeah, was, was actually funnier this time than oh, really? any other sort of... Well, because just his reaction, I think, was actually okay. quite amusing because it seems sort of unexpected. Yes, I mean, okay, there's this one bit where a little old lady offers him Kate. Yes. This is like in the middle of like a... Uh, the the castle of Jürgen the Brutal and then this little lady comes out of cake and he absolutely freaks out. I did enjoy that. Yes. But in the first Jumanji in the second Jumanji in Welcome to the Jungle every little quirk was brand new and it would surprise you. Yeah. And there is a difference between oh this thing I remember ha 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 and yes you can twist the formula like the little old lady but not much later on, there's Karen Gillan doing her dance fighting again. And they get the beatbox out with the Sony uh, branding. The dancing, dance fighting isn't really in tune with the music. It's just fighting with music. And didn't seem terribly well choreographed again. And it was really, you remember the dance fighting, here's some more. No, well, that was the example I was going to put in terms of something which did not work a second time round. It's just in there because we did it last time. Mm. I mean, I was again thinking about the previous um, episode in a previous film. There are so many, I think, just comedy scenes, like when Jack Black is trying to teach Karen Gillan how to flirt and giving her the and telling her to give the anime eyes and Karen Gillan was just really failing at being sexy, which is, you know, kind of funny <laughs> when it's Karen Gillan. I just didn't find as many comedy moments as mm. you said the joke really was the rock and kevin hart acting like the old men I, I did think that the rock did a pretty good danny devito impression but that was just a joke and it didn't really progress there was a bit when he's i think they've been in the game for half an hour of screen time and the rock again says oh are we in a video game what i would say about the rock's performance is that his whole thing is that he is confused and annoyed and keeps on asking all these questions, which the two younger characters, who in this instance, so uh, the character of Martha has resumed her role as Ruby Roundhouse, and the character of Fridge has now found himself, rather than being Finbar, he is now uh, Professor Sheldon Oberon. They're getting increasingly exasperated by Dr... Smolder, Bravestone, played by Grandpa Eddie, played by The Rock, played by Danny DeVito in this kind of uh, Russian doll style. Like, this is more confusing than Inception. <laughs> you know, so layered performance. Mm -hmm. But they're getting increasingly exasperated by all these things and there reaches a point where it's just like, yeah, okay, now I am too, because that's just his thing. And mm. it's, you know, there is a bit of a trajectory for the different characters, but you have to kind of wade through a lot of the same joke being told mm. again and again. But what I would say is that actually I enjoyed Kevin Hart's performance a lot more this time. Because mm. I think actually listening back to the previous episode, you're saying, does Kevin Hart do anything apart from Scream in any of his performances? Yes. And yes. I think he really got the 
the sort of cadence of Danny Glover's mm. voice really well. And just to hear him talk slowly. And I liked just how he would say, ah, the ostrich. Because mm, he's a zoologist in this. A flightless bird. You know, it would just be really mannered. And I, I think, you know, considering how annoyed they were getting with, you know, Grandpa Eddie as the rock, I liked how they were getting annoyed with him, but I felt his running gag of talking slowly and just being very kind of thoughtful about all the animals that he is describing, mm. that worked better for me, mainly because it was just Kevin Hart not screaming as much as he usually no, does. You are right. I enjoyed him going, what the Sam Hill? And yeah. hearing some older dialogue. The biggest laugh I got on my screening was when... Um, I think one of the characters died because he was spending so long describing it. And he said, did I, did I kill Eddie because I was taking too long to speak? Or something along mm-hmm. those lines. Um, again, I had to take a, a quick note in the cinema. Spencer. Huh? What? Who are you? Oh, my God. You're Spencer's grandfather. Are we in Florida? And you? My little walker. Did I die and turn into some kind of a... Small, muscular boy scout. Are we dead? Bethany? No, no, no! Rich? I'm the old fat dude. This can't be happening! My hip sure feels good now. Look at my thighs. Look at your thighs. Look at my thighs. Okay, we have some issues here. The game is busted! It was a game. I'm not it. I don't want to be it. As with the previous film, I think performances all around are good and strong, apart from maybe Nick Jonas, who I'm still not convinced by in any respect. (laughs) He's meant to be the avatar of Colin Hanks. Yeah. And he seems very similar to Colin Hanks, actually. Yeah, but I think I'd much rather see Colin Hanks. True. I say dreamily for some reason. (laughs) Ah, Colin Hanks. Colin. Colin, Colin, Colin. But I think... What we liked about the previous film in the start as well were, as you say, the sort of young kids' performances. And I think the way this film starts, I did like how with Spencer, you know, all the the kids, they're all graduated. It's a few years later and he's in New York at university and he's kind of feeling this, I don't know, Mm post-school ennui, which I I think is, is something you don't really see much i know there's always like coming of age movies and high school drama movies and mm. things but um i mean the graduate famously yeah but i i i, I think he he's a good actor alex wolf and i think he he's sold that part mm. you can see why he wants to go back into jumanji it, it's a very stupid decision <laughs> and yeah you know i it's it's i mean well done all his friends well i was a bit confused at the end because they I think he just says thanks for coming to rescue me, and all's well that ends well. It seems yeah. like a, it seems like a very sort of car- Saturday morning cartoon ending there. They should give him a bit more grief. Yeah. Um. But hey, this is our Christmas episode. It's set at Christmas, isn't this it? This is a Christmas movie. Going in, mm-hmm. I did not know this was going to be a Christmas movie, and yeah, I guess timing worked out in terms mm-hmm. of the release of this film, but. Yeah, as soon as there was, like, Christmas trees and snow, I yeah. was just like, wow, we got a video game Christmas movie. Hooray! It's, not, it's nice that the people at Sony responded to our emails. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, said it at Christmas so we can do our episode then. Mm-hmm. 
for some reason, I just really like these kids. I don't know why. I just think, I mean, they all look like Disney Channel beautiful, but I think I said it in the last episode, I, I can see these actors going far, and I actually have only seen all but one of them in something other than uh, a Jumanji film. Mm. But um, my, my cockles were warmed when I hmm. saw that they are all mates and they were wanting to hang out again, even though I think... Martha and Spencer are on a bit of rocky ground because of the long distance relationship of it all and they were genuinely worried because he's become a bit despondent on their sort of messaging uh, app I think it's called a a what is app is it called I, what I is assume, app I assume it is yes I yeah. think I think it is whatsapp but I I was also monitoring it to see whether it was a Sony branded messaging app which was i wasn't a, aware of that existed there was definitely a conversation at sony saying can we come up with a messaging app between now and the time jamon just released <laughs> and everyone's on it i mean we also are introduced a bit to um grandpa eddie i flippin love danny devito mm. and i think we mentioned danny devito previously on our detective pikachu episode because i think there was a real movement to try and get DeVito to voice Pikachu and it's nice to finally get to talk about him properly and I you know I wish there was more of him on screen he can he's be, there in spirit he can be both cantankerous but he's also got a real warm heart and um, he can really ride that line but I just don't think I've seen anything funnier this year than him trying to get down the ladder <laughs> because I think we're introduced to him trying to fix a light bulb or something actually I, I liked the I liked his um, falling off the chair you know what Sometimes slapstick is just the funniest thing. If you have a master like DeVito, well, you, exactly. you, you just uh, and, hook him up. You know, he's obviously really not self-conscious. He um, Obviously, he's been spending many years on It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, which I yeah. know you're familiar with. Well, I got, I got a real... The fact that both Grandpa Eddie and Spencer are forced to sort of bunk up and share the same room mm-hmm. definitely did give me a charlie and frank vibe from it's always sunny in philadelphia so <laughs> but you know there's just some great bits when um i think at one point a character asks him does he need a, a hand and he says do i look like i need a hand as he's sort of sort of spinning around the living room yeah. knocking over lamps and things yeah and it's just yeah great funny stuff so the friends don't know where spencer is so they come to spencer's house where uh, Danny DeVito and Danny Glover happen to be not the actors. It's like, what are you guys doing here? <laughs> Whoa, Hollywood celebrities and artists. Wow, time. I remember you in um, what were you in, Danny? Lethal Weapon Four. Lethal Weapon Four. I've been in other Lethal Weapon films. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure you have. <laughs> I liked him, and he was in Sorry to Bother You recently. Yeah, he was great doing yeah. his white person voice. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, I'm a fan of Predator Two. It's a good film. <laughs> The friends go down to the basement and lo and behold, they find the Jumanji game running. Or oh, there's got a static screen, but I think they put two and two together being bright kids. <laughs> and they enter the game and they don't have to select their character. They just get immediately sucked in. But to Bethany's surprise, she is left outside, which means we get a, kind of a B plot where she's trying to help out her friends. She eventually gets some touch of Colin Hanks. And I think I mentioned before how I got really emotional how they, they met old Colin Hanks. Um, <laughs> I feel like the I'm losing the thread Colin of it. Hanks. Yeah, I mean, he's from the 90s, but then he grew up. Anyway, but uh, our characters enter the game and they are a bit wrong-footed because they, they had a plan. They just were going to repeat what they did last time. 
in order to save Spencer. In order to, we, can, we don't know what's happened to Spencer. They don't know what we know, where we think where Spencer deliberately fixed the game so he can go in. I don't think I have the wherewithal to reassemble a smashed up I know. console. I was thinking of that. He's got some gumption, that what's kid. What's he studying? The broke 90s video games. <laughs> he tried blowing on 90s it. 90s video game consoles, Blowing the yeah. cartridge for a bit. We mentioned before how we both were fans of the film Hereditary, where he's he's in that film. And there is a shot in Jumanji where he is lying in his bed awake, thinking. And if anyone's seen Hereditary, that has real horrific connotations. <laughs> it's a really horrific scene in Hereditary, which is like, Ooh. Anyway, though, so... I think the closest I've come is disassembling the Dreamcast in order to stop the fan from mm. overheating. Yeah. Um, it's still in good nick. It's still working. I mean, the, the plastic's a horrible shade of smoker's it's, it's the, cigarette yeah, it's nicotine gone, yellow. It's got the same colour as all 90s desktops have. It's yeah. Like, when, why was beige ever a good idea? <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, hats off to him. If he's managed to get the game working to it a reasonable extent, that's um, pretty impressive. You know, there is a there is an alternate film here where our characters did go to the original game and did everything again differently. I'm a big fan of um, films like that, like Back to the Future 2, and uh, I think, is it Prisoner of Azkaban does it as well, where they the time-turner to see themselves in the past. I think that's groovy, but we don't get that. We get the next level. Did you guys see Spencer? I think he went back in. We gotta go get him. Are you out of your mind? We haven't even picked our guys yet. Oh, he's just part falling. You hear something? Yeah, so Nigel Billingsley shows up and lays the plot out, the cutscene, as it were, for the next level that they're on. I suppose it's an increased difficulty level because they do have the same live system and with the different encounters that they have, it does seem like there's a bit more risk and tension, I think. They mm. sort of get depleted quite quite quickly. I mean, it doesn't help that two of them have never played the game before. But the plot of this one, the aforementioned Jürgen the Brutal, played by Rory McCann from Game of Thrones. You've got very much a Game of Thrones vibe here. <laughs> it, must be, it must be really weird for actors who go from like a fantasy setting to a different fantasy setting. Yeah. And it's like... What am I doing again? I guess they just needed to find someone who's sort of like taller than The Rock. Yes, not many people. Is there? There's, there's that guy with the walking stick from Guinness Book of Records, and that's it. He wouldn't pose much of a <laughs> the threat. The guy from, with the walking yeah. stick from the Guinness Book of Records. Yeah, there's that guy. I don't think he's I, alive anymore. No. <laughs> I think he died tragically young for being mm. too tall. His character's like a sort of brutal, well, Jürgen the Brutal. Do big... you think he was... Um, that was his christened name, and uh, he kind of lived He lived it. Well, maybe he was just Jürgen, and then they just, I don't know, maybe he was a very violent child and mm. got the brutal moniker fairly early on. But he's a warlord, and uh, he has also, in the past, he killed Bravestone's parents. Now, there was a hilarious flashback, wasn't there, with the rock with a porn moustache playing the Bravestone's yeah, father. And a gorgeous wig. But Jürgen's main uh, objective at the moment is that he has stolen the Falcon's Heart Jewel rather than the Jaguar's Eye, I think, in the previous movie. And in doing so, he has doomed the world of Jumanji to wither and die. But in order to reverse the curse, in this instance, they must retrieve the Falcon's Heart and show it to the sun and that will restore 
the land to its former healthy glow. Maybe the same thing should be leveled at the previous film, but if this were a video game, it wouldn't be a very good one. Or a very interesting plot, because... One star in Metacritic, apparently. <laughs> apparently so. But I, I think it's it's trying to play around with generic video game settings, but at the same time it's doing so generic video games inspired by, you know, adventuring movies and such. And it, it sort of just... It just feels very tired. It's like a facsimile of a facsimile. Mm. Well, yeah, I, I would agree. Um, I think in the first new Jumanji film, Welcome to the Jungle, I think we both agreed that the video game stuff was was a fun framework, but it wasn't seriously examining video games. It was using just, by, by now, certain things like video game characters having lives and, and power-ups and things. That sort of thing is is now well known by the mainstream, whereas decades ago, that sort of stuff would have to be explained at length. I'm not going to start picking apart the logic of a magical video game and and why there would be a next level when really it seems to me it's just a a new game and blah, 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 blah. I I do feel in this film, the video gamey stuff is even less important to the filmmakers. I'm not 100% sure if that's intentionally so or just because of the quick turnaround of the sequel i i don't know how long it took to turn around the the first film actually i must admit so maybe this is all uh me um it's all supposition there's so many things you can do with a video game setting that these films choose not to do and in a way that's sort of nice because it's not then going down very cliched Mm you know video game movie stuff it's, it's, it's about characters more really. yeah there There's are the... ways to make it more distinctive when playing around with this stuff and it's not like in you know the jumanji first film it's just like giant dice appear out of nowhere or something um but we could have yeah. i mean it might not have made it a jumanji movie but if you're dealing with video game genres you could have had a sequel in a totally different genre mm. you could have made the characters in jumanji enter Stay Alive, the horror game <laughs> that we saw in October. It seems like a bit of a missed opportunity. And and this Jürgen guy, he just seems like a bit of a waste of space. Um, I do appreciate the this world's continued mix of time and culture. I like how in halfway through the film, they find this big desert town and it looks like it's from... 100,000 years... Well, not that's a bit much. <laughs> Prehistoric. <laughs> Let's say 2,000 years ago, but there's still fluorescent lights and quad bikes and things. And I don't know. Maybe they haven't found those in any sort of Egyptian pyramid yet. But we'll, I, I do like that. But um, well, Tutankhamun was famously buried with a jukebox. <laughs> yes, we just need new batteries. But yeah, I, I see. I get... I feel, I, I'm, I'm on the same page with you, I think, here. I think Jürgen, the brutal... It's just weird. He has more of a connection, supposedly, to Bravestone. He doesn't really, because Bravestone is like an avatar, so he's no real mm. connection to Spencer. It's fate states, and it, it's played for laughs because mm. it's just dropped in that cutscene, and it's sort of, oh, and by the way, he killed your parents. Mm. But, yeah, it then doesn't really do anything with it. Like, you'd think that Jürgen would be more taunting yeah. about it, but he just kind of stands there looking oafish. And then t- at the end, in the final battle, as it were, I think Danny DeVito... No, it's not even Danny DeVito as Spencer, is it? Oh, gosh. It does get confusing. But Spencer becomes Dr. Bravestone again and seems to be pretty invincible in terms of how hard he can punch. 
and there again seems no stakes. We're told we've got one life left, but it seems. I mean, yes, no one's going to fail in this yeah. adventure. By that point, they have been given a clue where they need to retrieve the Jumanji berry, uh, which will help them on their quest. And apparently, that is the weakness of uh, Jurgen. Mm. So that's I don't know lowers his defenses, so it makes it a more even fist fight. But yeah, I mean, in terms of like strengths and weaknesses, that was a big thing in the previous film, and here. The characters, we have returning characters, but they have new strengths and new weaknesses added. So, for instance, Ruby Roundhouse has the ability to use nunchucks. Finbar has linguistics, which turns out it means he can talk to animals, which is quite sweet and charming. Yeah. And then also Professor Sheldon Oberon has geometry as one of the new strengths. Mm -hmm. Um, Talking about nunchucks, because I grew up in a period where... British censors hated nunchucks, so they wouldn't show up in turtle films. Whenever I see nunchucks in a film in a cinema now, I'm like, ooh, <laughs> a little free son of it. What's the time to be alive? Check this out: strengths and weaknesses, linguistics. Oh goodness! Nunchucks. That's new. Damn, that's a good list. Weaknesses: heat, sun, and sand. How is this guy a character in an adventure game? Man, it is hot out here. You mentioned nunchucks, but. The only weakness which Dr. Bravestone has, which he didn't have any weaknesses before, but this one is Switchblade. And actually, same with the nunchucks. I think you couldn't have, like, butterfly knives or something. You couldn't have, like, a Switchblade knife Mm. in movies in the 80s and 90s. It always cut to someone holding a knife when they didn't have a knife Mm -hmm. uh, before. the sound effect of... (laughs) Yeah. Um, And you were waiting for a Switchblade. It's like, oh, boy... Nice. No, wait. Again, nunchucks and a switchblade in a movie. Mm. But it turns out switchblade is instead the name of the husband of an old flame of Dr. Bravestone. It sounds so convoluted, doesn't it? Because why why isn't Jurgen the Brutal called Switchblade in this film? Because they the just char- need another char- enemy. The character Switchblade is introduced. He demonstrates his deadliness to the rock by using a bazooka to blow up. I think they blow up the entire group. So everyone's weakness appears to be Switchblade. Yeah. And then they just carry on. I thought Switchblade was going to show up in the end, but he doesn't. It's the same. Entirely surplus to the to the film. It's the same. They really kind of foreground, for instance, Jurgen the Brutal's uh, hyenas, which are guarding the um, Falcon's Heart stone that he's stolen, and they sort of beat them up, and the hyena owner that was in Jürgen's employee betrayed him so he's feeding mm. chunks of this hyena trainer to his own hyenas. That was quite a nice introduction but I did know that was going to be the case. Yeah. But you know, you don't really see the hyenas again. There's like one bit when they're trying to break in and steal the stone and then like a hyena jumps and then that's about it. You would sort of thought that these hyenas that you've spent all this time bidding up uh, there would be some confrontation and then nothing. I mean, I wrote a note here when Jürgen was introduced and being evil. I thought Spencer might have become Jürgen. Well, that would have been an interesting wrinkle. Because, um, again, I, and this is, I think we're first introduced to him before we know what's happened to Spencer. And I thought, yes, perhaps he's he, he, he was trying to find himself. So he goes into this game and the game shows him his true self. But he's become a bit of a shit. <laughs> <laughs> and... Um, I know that would that's that. I guess if I'd seen that in the film, I would be here complaining about how oh that's really predictable. But 
It, well, just, it would have given Jurgen something to be. I wouldn't. I, I that hadn't occurred to me, and I instantly think that would have been interesting because mm-hmm. can you imagine? You know the you know Rory McCann character like they're having to sort of like coax him out of his evilness and like find the real Spencer in him, and then he's like you know a bit of a softy, and then starts to. Mm-hmm. I guess it would be a sort of reprise again of how Spencer was playing the Dr. Bravestone character and then you have this big tough guy but being very sort of in touch with their sensitivity and suffering from allergies. Yeah. You know, it could have done something else. And then they would have got back to the real world and then Martha and Spencer would rekindle the relationship. But Martha would know deep down Spencer could become a rural lord. Yeah. <laughs> could become and a could brutal tyrant. Ch- chop up someone and feed them to a couple of hyenas. You no, know, no, you know, you only live once. <laughs> Especially if you're being fed to hyenas. Yeah. But instead, Spencer isn't the villain no uh instead he is a new character introduced i suppose in this next level of the jumanji video game he is playing a character called ming fleetfoot who is also portrayed by aquafina yeah ming fleetfoot is right out of like generic ninja I think we mentioned before how in Mortal Kombat Sub-Zero is a Chinese ninja warrior. And like, ninjas aren't Chinese. Yeah. <laughs> and so she seems right out of that. Yeah, she's a, a cat burglar, lock picker, mm-hmm. thief, uh, who's also allergic to pollen. It's their weakness. <laughs> and yeah, there's a gag about that, isn't there? How Spencer has got allergies and her video game character is yeah uh, i think that's something which is touched on but just isn't explored that the idea that he went into this game because he wanted to be dr bravestone and he ended up being someone who is small and allergic to everything and i think like that's something they could have played around with a little bit more they sort of the thing is the film's quite long but then they let the wrong things drag out and then they just like all the other stuff where there's potentially interesting avenues to explore is left unexplored i felt yeah i feel this again points to the first draftedness of this all now i'm not saying it was a first draft don't get me wrong mm. as we always say in this podcast these people have made a film and despite the fact that we seem to be pretty down on it and this is a bit apart of the conversation i thought it was a fun time but i think it could be more it could be as layered as Jumanji, welcome to the jungle. <laughs> anyway. I mean, I love the actress, um, Okafina. I love her in everything I've seen her in so far, and she usually steals the show. She voiced an angry bird, I believe. I think she was oh, a, piggy. a piggy. She was a piggy in Angry Birds 2. It's so funny, later on in the film, she says she has to do an emotional scene where she says goodbye to a horse. <laughs> and I thought, oh gosh, that's the sort of thing you go into drama school for. And I recently saw her in a film called The Farewell, uh, where um, it's all about how she travels to um, China to say goodbye to her grandma who's dying from cancer. But nobody has told the grandma that she's dying from cancer. So that was a nice little movie. Again, just nothing but her acting chops. And considering that later on in this film, she ends up becoming Danny DeVito and she sounds like Danny DeVito anyway. She gives The Rock a run for his money in terms of who gives the best Danny DeVito. And I think she's got the huskiness, though. She's got the huskiness and I suppose the height, but she's just got a great voice. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And I think she really sells it at that point, too. It, It turns out that the characters that they are portraying isn't necessarily permanent. There's a scene where mm. we have Ruby Roundhouse 
being Martha and Sheldon Oberon being Fridge. And they have it to retrieve this Jumanji berry, but uh, there's this sort of pool of sparkling green water which looks sort of electric. Looks deadly. Looks deadly. It's all electrical sparks, but it's kind of like the console's own green sparks giving off. Like what you find in your average Nintendo Switch or Xbox One. Yeah. I thought this was going to be a wonderful second half of the film where these characters swap characters. So Ruby Roundhouse is now Fridge. And Fridge gets to be all athletic again, and that's what he's always wanted. Whereas Martha is now um, Jack Black, Professor Oberon, and she's not too happy about it. They, there's a little bit of fun with it, but it only lasts like a scene, and then they go back to their regular um, past again. They touch each other, or they, you know, they they practice back into the into the um, water again. And I was a little bit disappointed that they didn't commit and didn't have them different characters for more of the film and i thought that was actually going to be the last we ever see all that stuff but in the grand finale uh all the characters um go into the goo again and transform into the characters that we quote unquote know and love from the first film and really to me the rock kicking ass as any of the characters is still just the rock kicking ass it didn't mean make any difference to me it seemed like the less interesting choice to me to an extent, but I was quite happy to see Jack Black as Bethany back. Mm, that's true. That's a, he's my favourite one. Yeah, I, like, but I, I think he was very good as Fridge. I thought he was very good as Martha. I think he just does a very good performance throughout. So it's not like I needed it. But when he did come back with in Bethany style, I was like, oh, he was quite good at this, wasn't he? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, do you want to hear my thoughts just jumping right ahead to uh, where a sequel might go. Sure. Because um, this film, there's like a mid-credits sequence where it certainly implies that the video game Jumanji has opened up and animals are running through the street, just like in the 95 film. And I think it would be great to absolutely follow that and here's me complaining about how this film's a retread and what i actually want is a retread of the 95 film Mm. but it'd be great to have the avatars come into the real world and have the rock face to face with um spencer and um you'd get more of the kids you'd get the avatars playing completely different characters you'll get them playing what they were supposed to be or even what are they Mm. without someone controlling them irl I'm happy to hear this film was a success because I think the third film hopefully won't be as rushed in the production and they can ask some really weird and wacky questions while getting effectively a remake of Jumanji but with um, 95 but with just a better special effects visual effects yeah I guess the sort of big sequences of the film are the ostrich sequence in the desert. (laughs) The way Rory looked at me and said ostrich sequence reminds me of, I don't know, a nuclear war movie when someone says Russia's fired their nukes. Begin the ostrich sequence. (laughs) Begin the ostrich sequence. Um, The ostrich sequence, and what was the other one? The mandrill sequence. (laughs) Push which button and... Mandrill attack. Yeah, let's divvy them up that way. I did write in my notes. I was a bit sad that I watched the trailers for this because it seems like both sequences uh, in the desert, they're in 
they just see this cloud appearing over the horizon and in the I think there's a bit of tension in the mantra sequence where they're going along these broken wooden bridges which are spinning around a bit like a platformer and because you've kind of seen the trailers you know what's in coming out of the mists I guess I was just a little bit sad that I watched these trailers <laughs> and that like the big animal sequences were spoiled but I would say that those two sequences were better than anything in the previous film. Yeah, they were classic Jumanji. Because it's having lots of animals and creatures, and that was always, you know, Jumanji's bag anyway. Mm. I think just the the characterization of the ostriches and mandrills are quite fun. They've got yeah. personality to them. It's not always, like, the best integration of visual effects no. that there is. But... Yeah, they had a they had personality, their character. I liked the the you know the ostrich threat and them sort of like picking at the dune buggies mm. that they're driving through. It was it just to be sort of the monkey's cheekiness from the first. Film. Yeah, it just had it was something I hadn't really seen much in a film before. I guess there's similarities like the Gallimimus herd in Jurassic Park mm. and sort of reprised in Jurassic but that World. That was sixty five million years ago. <laughs> that was sixty five million years in the making. Oh right, yeah. Uh, so yeah, I. I actually thought that sequence was fun it was exciting and it was well done and similarly the the mandrel sequence i think that had a lot going for it because it was genuinely scary the yeah they had lots of different levels and they had they're picking up you know characters and throwing them to their deaths and stuff mm-hmm. so it, it did feel like it had a lot of states and you know even though it was spoiled in the trailers when they see this sort of mountain moving and you have these kind of like tails and things coming off this mountain and they're trying to work out what it is before uh, Finbar's like, that is a mandrill. Yeah, I just thought that was uh, an impressively staged and just entertaining sequence. They are just, they are, both sequences though are slightly marred by the slightly iffy, as you say, integration. The, the bridge sequence with the mandrills, they are absolutely on green screen. And, you know, you just think back to good old Indiana Jones and the, uh, is it Temple of Doom, where he's on a bridge, an actual bridge. Yeah. But then that's just after a really, really fake-ass minecart sequence. So it's <laughs> like, they've always been crap special effects. Yeah. yeah. It's, ba- it's basically Buster Keaton and then everything else is crap. Yeah. <laughs> but with the mandrills, that's when they are saved just in the nick of time by... Nick? Yes, Nick Jonas playing Jefferson Seaplane, riding a big black horse, played by Bethany. Yeah, I was going to say, she's, he's riding Bethany. I said, oh no, because um, later on, Nick Nick Jonas, he, he touches the horse's left breast, which reveals their weaknesses and strengths, and we don't see it. Jefferson Seaplane or Nick Jonas says, oh, that's really cool. And I wrote on my notes, I hope it doesn't fly. Because that's, again, first draft thinking. And it flies. I wanted the horse to, I don't know, shoot lightning out of its nose or something. Or chainsaws. (laughs) I mean, I want to see a horse with chainsaws (laughs) coming out of its back. Um, I will will concede that when the black horse is flying around... The animators did really capture the movement. With every flap of the wings, I got a real sense of the weight of the horse being lifted. So I actually enjoyed it on an aesthetic level, horse fans. I thought the sort of bat wings were a bit icky. I preferred if it was more feathery, classic Pegasus style. I thought they were feathery. I thought it was more like fleshy flaps. It it didn't look very feathery to me anyway. 
going to have to watch it now to check out those flaps. <laughs> check um, out those horse flaps. But yeah, it's um, it's kind of fun to have a character become a horse. And um, you know, my wife's in a question, so it's like the first thing I told her when I left the cinema. It's like, because she didn't see this with me. God, she had better things to do. <laughs> but I was like, oh, one of the characters turns into a horse. Bethany thought you might need some help. Where is Bethany? She's right here. She says, oh my God, like I'm a total horse. Yep, that's Bethany. Hey. And there's a wonderful shot where all five of our heroes, is it five? I just picked a number. When all of our heroes jump into the goo, including the horse, and they come out as the characters they're supposed to be. But um, the horse is no longer uh, Bethany. The horse is now um, Milo, Milo, who has revealed in one of the cut and paste emotional scenes that he is suffering from some sort of illness which they don't elaborate on but he hasn't got long apparently and he seems to really enjoy being a horse compared to being an elderly Danny Glover I want to be an elderly Danny Glover poor Danny Glover poor Danny Glover the film climaxes at Jürgen's fortress mm-hmm. which they're trying to infiltrate to get the stone and it, it reminded me actually a little bit of Angry Birds movie too how they split up and you have the rock um, and Karen Gillan scaling the side of the mountain, which is almost like the relationship that the, the two birds have in Angry Birds Movie 2 as they're yeah. trying to climb into the top. At the same time, you have Jack Black and Kevin Hart, who are trying to pose as these brothers who have been invited to Jürgen's Fortress. They literally just walk through the front door. Yeah. Which, which is kind of funny, but also, again, I, I just can't shake the sense that it was just lazy so, i think yeah. it i think it's trying to make it seem like bad video game logic hmm. they're trying to fool this guard and they're doing really badly but they still get away with it which is suggesting just poor you know npc programming because that was similar to when ruby roundhouse beats up those guys in the previous movie how they sort of just repeat the same statements over and over but it just seemed really it wasn't really played to its fullest, so it was unclear exactly what it was trying to do in that moment. But there's this exchange on their way to Jürgen. They're having to sort of convince this guard of their identity, and hilariously, one of them's a eunuch. And so there's a funny moment where the girl who's playing the guy has to say, oh, yes, this guy next to me is completely sans testicles. Mm-hmm. That just that did get laughs in my cinema because somebody said testicles. It got no laughs when they said eunuch. And then oh. when they explained what a eunuch was and they said testicles, the kids That's about found right. that amusing. Yes. Daddy, what's a eunuch? Shut up, it's going to say so in a few minutes. Mm. <laughs> yeah, uh, I don't know. I mean, I mentioned how just in the previous film there's just like weird bits of just plonking some crude humour in for the sake of it. And this seems like that was what they were doing here. It just adds nothing. <sighs> Clutching your pearls. <laughs> but yes, they make it into Jürgen's chamber and it's revealed that they're not who they say they are. You're not a eunuch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it doesn't go that far. They don't sort of pull down <laughs> Kevin Hart's trousers, thank God. That would have really upped the rating then. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's all sort of... It all kicks off. It all fist fights and... Um, fist fights, airships, flying horses. Yeah. I did like how... It looked at the end. I liked the look of the Zeppelin in the sky with all the snow blizzard beating down. And it was, you know, there was some beauty to how that was all composed. 
the flying horse goes through the clouds to the sunlight yeah. with the jewel. A bit like the uh, TriStar logo. A bit like the TriStar logo. Yeah. I, I Columbia saw, um, TriStar. I saw um, the Aeronauts recently. And okay. It reminded me of that. Does, does Eddie Redmayne play a horse in that one? Afraid not. Not this time. Oh, not shame. But yes, I mean, there's not much to say about the, the final battle because it's a cut and paste final battle. The, the villain falls to his doom, as villains are wont to do. And uh, the game... What's his face? Who ends up saying Jumanji at the end? Is it, it's not Milo. It's, it is Danny DeVito as... Ming. Ming, who goes Jumanji. And <laughs> Jumanji. Jumanji. He kind of does, Well, it's more like Jumanji. Yeah, they don't know what they're talking about. Um, but the game resets. The day is saved. Um, again, the... the I guess Jumanji is safe. All these, all these horrible people who are continually pursuing our heroes are now safe for another <laughs> level. Having come to terms with his Jumanji experience part two and realising that his friends are there to save him, Spencer decides, yeah, actually, no, I made a mistake and it's time for us to go. But one character, as we mentioned decides to stay mm-hmm. and that is milo in his horse form yeah decides to live out his days in he, a broken video game which may yeah. or may not get switched off he seems immediately to, he seems to be pretty damn certain that um he won't die of his degenerative disease in the game but i like to think that he does old video <laughs> game cartridges have a finite battery life as i understand yeah but they are during... true what if it does get turned off what happens to him well Apart from the fact that Alex from the first film, you know, the console was turned off and packed away and then rebooted up in 20 years later and he survived. So I guess they just get sort of, you know, put away somewhere in the cartridge internal memory banks, Mm -hmm. living out their fantasy horse dreams. Yeah, it brings a new meaning to like turning off the life support. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that's why if you ever ever see someone on life support, just turn it off and on again. Bright as rain. The tech support solution to healthcare. That's not how you fix people. (laughs) Oh dear, that got dark. We just completely skimmed over the fact that Milo and um, Eddie, they have an actual fist fight halfway through, a super-powered fist fight. But like I said, it seems entirely inconsequential. It it is just plopped in the middle of the movie because this is what the script writing program said needed to happen. Needed to lose another life. They needed to lose another life and had to... Progress their relationship a little bit. It just seems a bit inconsequential, which is weird because I mean, I feel like I've got a fonder memory of the first Jumanji video game saga, Welcome to the Jungle. But um, you know, I thought that was fine as well. But I guess just in 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 retrospect, compared to this one, the Welcome to the Jungle did seem to be just doing things a bit more naturally. I feel. I, I still like the cast. And the yes. performances, and I think that's what works. But, for instance, when I was trying to look up clips for the movie, the official sort of Sony Pictures YouTube account, they did some trailers, but they weren't doing any new sort of clips. Instead, they had the cast all hanging out doing other things. So there's a mm. there's a Happy Halloween from Jumanji uh, <laughs> sketch, which features The Rock and Kevin Hart, which is actually quite funny. Yeah. There's a... they got good chemistry. There's a special Jumanji Thanksgiving where um, the four main cast members all sit down and uh, Kevin Hart hasn't been invited to a Thanksgiving 
dinner and there's because he said more things on twitter yeah exactly (laughs) um that's why they don't mention that but it's probably assumed but you know that's sort of amusing and um they've even done like a a happy christmas jumanji video as well where they all sing jumanji bells jumanji bells i love that i'm gonna look that up right now yeah two three four jumanji bells jumanji bells jumanji all the way oh what fun is Kevin! Jumanji bells, Jumanji bells, Jumanji all the way. That's it? No. All right, cool, respect. His voice is hurting. Me and you, Jack. Jumanji bells, Jumanji bells, Jumanji all the way. Oh, what fun it is to ride on a tiny problem. We're never going to use this. We're using it, Nick! Jumanji bells, Jumanji bells. It's pretty good, but that's the thing. All these little sketches and, and such, I actually found bit more amusing than than the movie i just found the film itself just a bit boring and i and actually i couldn't wait for it to end oh my part, god part of it was because i was freezing cold in the cinema yeah it's probably um i, I saw it with um my fiance lisa again and uh she liked it a lot more than the previous film okay. we were both pretty cool on the on welcome to the jungle but she was said that was know hundreds of times better mm. whereas i just thought oh no this is boring mm. i mean we might be in a minority i did a quick skim of the reviews uh before recording this and i was just looking at headlines but they seem to be largely positive so maybe we're just two weirdos who go gaga over yui bowl movies but when an actual film comes out <laughs> making actual box office we turn our noses up to your point, I do think it all boils down to the cast, as you say. And um, it actually shouldn't be um, discounted how difficult it is to get four people, four movie stars, uh, or I think all four of them are movie stars, who really bounce off each other. Because you see so many like rom-coms where the chemistry just isn't there. And I'm not saying this is a rom-com, although who knows what number three will bring. There is a little romance. There is a little romance. But um, yeah, it's just... I mean, also when, especially when you got Aquafina in here as well, you you don't you you still view them as she's playing Spencer, you know? yeah, yeah, and and that is a little bit of of magic, you know. And it does seem like if they make third of this run, if they make Jumanji five, I guess if you include Sephora. Yeah. But I I think they would tie it into the 95 original more because of the fact that it has, again, animals returning to the real world. I hadn't twigged that this is set in the same town Mm. as the first film because they mentioned Brantford and that's the name of the town in the first movie. And also... In the last scene of the film, they return to this diner known as Nora's, Mm -hmm. which was the diner previously owned by Milo and Eddie. And they introduce this character, Nora, who is played by B.B. Newworth. Yes. Who was in the original Jumanji movie, 1995, playing the aunt of the two main kids in that film. Mm -hmm. And she does say that the parish manor where Robin Williams' family lives is she's talking about turning that into a bed and breakfast. Mm. So whether this is taking place in the same grounds of the building of where the first Jumanji movie, at least it's taking place in the same place. It's, it's, It's not sure whether she's actually playing the same 
character or anything. There's like a cute moment. I think she is. There is a cute moment where Eddie says that he'll lend his services in order to help with the business and he tries to use his smouldering intensity that he picked up as his time as Bravestone, which seems to work wonders mm-hmm. <laughs> on Nora. So yeah, I, I guess I guess she is playing the same character. Well, I didn't know whether it was just... It's one of those things where it could be cute reference or... No, actually, it's part of the fabric of the universe, the Jumanji-verse. It sort of depends if you considered a 1995 novel adaptation of the first Jumanji film as canon. (laughs) (laughs) Because, um, yes, because I haven't watched the original Jumanji in years, it completely passed me by that this actress was from the original film. And uh, I went to a bit of research on the... There's apparently two, there's two Jumanji wikis <laughs> by different fans. And on one of the pages for Nora, uh, it said... It shows she's Aunt Nora in the film. And in the 1995 uh, novelization, uh, she says that she wanted to open an inn. And it seems like, some for some reason, the makers of this film took that wish to open an inn as something that she would actually want to do in the reality of the films. But I Deep think, cut. Well, I don't know. I feel like if they really wanted to do that way, they would have made her actually run an inn. But instead, mm. it's just a cafe. You're telling me that what's written on the one of the many Jumanji Wikipedia pages... Based on the novelisation of the film, not the original book. No, no. Okay, so it's even more flimsy a source. Yes, it's um definitely the you know how Disney got rid of the old canon. It's like that. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure all the Jumanji OG fans are up in arms by all the terrible but things. Where does the to... animated series fit in all of this? Well, Aunt Nora was in the animated series. She was in it throughout. There's a picture of her. Oh, um, there we go. All questions to be answered in Jumanji IRL, the new film coming out. I'm assuming in another... 2021. Yeah, in 2021. Whenever they're making a new Star Wars film, there'll be a, a Jumanji <laughs> film bringing up the rear. So, I mean, I feel like we spent a lot of this review kind of moaning about it, but I, you know, I didn't, it's still a lot of fun. I just feel it's more disposable than the first film. I feel if I was given a choice, I'd watch Jumanji Welcome to the Jungle, because I think I took more pleasure in our four core avatars being these kids than all this kind of extra stuff which was brought to the sequel, but didn't really go anywhere. It brings something new, but ultimately it doesn't do enough different. Uh, it just feels a bit tired, and apart from the sequence with the ostriches, sequence with the mandrills, there wasn't really anything this film did that I enjoyed more this time round, I would say. Apart from maybe Kevin Hart toning it down a notch. <laughs> mm. um, so, yeah, I, I, I think it's a pass from me. Well, an odd thing happened at the end of this film where they tap the left breast of uh, uh, Jürgen the Brutal and his weaknesses come up. And it just made me think, hey, hang on. Is he an avatar or do all NPCs have this? Oh, they just uh, haven't been punching enough people in the chest. No. I mean, maybe maybe Jürgen was somebody lost within the game. but That's chilling. That's <laughs> chilling, but also a pure invention of myself. And again, a more interesting movie, maybe. Uh, than what we got. Mm-hmm. Oh, well. Well, like I said, uh, I did kind of enjoy it. I, I would give this a, a, a mild recommend, but uh, 
I, I would definitely jump for the um, for uh, Welcome to the Jungle first. And I think I still prefer Welcome to the Jungle slightly to the original Jumanji, which I know is sacrilege. But hey, Lisa is not here this time to uh, smack me around the chops. Did you watch Sathura yet? Not watched Sathura yet. So I will check that out next. That's um, my recommendation still, Sathura. Yeah. Watch Sathura. Well, that's us turning off and, and maybe on again, Jumanji, the next level. Um, but what's the next cinematic film <laughs> that we're going to do uh, in Games on Film? We're going to be kicking off the new year. It's a new decade. It's 2020. It's Double Dragon. Ooh, yes. It's the best video game movie about two brothers set in a post-apocalyptic wasteland that isn't the Super Mario Brothers movie. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. Make it your New Year's resolution, why don't you? <laughs> yes, my New Year's resolution will be watch Double Dragon. Once. And I'm going to achieve <laughs> it. It's going to be great. I mean, achievable goals, achievable goals. Exactly. In the meantime, how can people get in touch with us? You can email us gamesonfilmpod at gmail.com and our website is gamesonfilm.witsite.com slash podcast where you can find links to all the episodes. You can listen to all the episodes from there as well as soundcloud.com slash gamesonfilmpod and you can find ways to support the show. We are also on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram at gamesonfilmpod. I am on Twitter at Rory Steele. I'm at Only Man Who Can. And the music for this episode was composed by David Lightfoot. Please remember to like, share, subscribe, follow, do all the things that you need to do in order to promote the show and uh, share it with friends and like-minded individuals and family members. It is Christmas time after all, so I hope you are listening to this in place of the Queen's speech. Mm-hmm. We're also on coffee, so give us some money. Yeah, <laughs> cough up. <laughs> yes, co it's at ko-fi.com if you like what you hear throw a few uh, shekels our way yeah and... some shillings for our tin can yeah, governor exactly we can buy a nice Christmas turkey <laughs> to eat right now we've got no turkey have you got anything to plug Rory? Uh, nothing in these cold winter months at the moment uh, I myself uh, not only doing my Star Trek reviews on Instagram my name on Instagram is only man who can the hashtag to look for is make it only man who can and I'll be doing some more stand-up shows in the new year so just look for Harry Steele comedian that's Harry Steele with an E okie dokie well until then and until we see you in the new year for Double Dragon mm-hmm. may you have a very Merry Christmas And a happy new year. Nicely said. Thank you. Thanks for listening. Take care. Of yourself and each other. No matter who you are, be you a teenage girl in Jack Black's body or an elderly man in... uh, A horse's body. In a horse's body. (laughs) You know, the full gamut of peoples. Yes, take care and God bless. Yes, we love you. Thanks for listening. (laughs) Let's finish now. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.